0: We're glad you're here. I'm excited about the message this morning. We're going to have a great time this me- in this morning's message. Uh, hopefully bring something to light that we hadn't thought about or looked at in quite some time. And, uh, it's, it's going to be a good time. Let's go, to the Lord, in word of prayer when we get started. Dear Jesus, I thank you, Father, for these men. I thank you for the joy in the house this morning. I thank you, Father, that you call us together, Father, to make a difference, to make a change, Father, to uh, be the difference in the world that the world needs to see today. Lord, we thank you for um, this time and father for what you do through each one of us for what you do in your church and we thank you that we're a part of it in your name amen you know I was thinking as I put this together I always try to think about people who have reflected some things in my life and today I'm going to be talking about two things I'm going to be talking about men of faith and i want to be talking about humble men, those two things and how they go together, how men of faith and humility or humbleness, all of this stuff makes an appeal towards a faithful man, uh, a man who is going to make a difference in this life, because humbleness brings us to a place of being willing to learn, understanding that we've not arrived, knowing that there's more to receive. And as we receive, there'll be more to give, which is also humility. Humility expresses itself through servanthood. And so the more humility received, the more ability we have to really give ourselves and to understand that the greatest among you will be the servant of all. So as we look at a couple of things, one of those men who reflected that in my life was a man who was very quiet, a man who was very large, a man who uh, didn't look to go out and change the world other than through one person at a time. And this would have been who I called Papa. He would be my mother's dad, and he would be a farmer and a dairyman. Now, back then, the dairyman, they didn't have the things that you put on the udders. You didn't know we were going to talk about udders this morning. Now, I'm talking about cattle. All right. And so, uh, but uh, he milked with his hands. You've heard me talk about his hands before. He had these huge hands. His hands were so big that he could take his wedding ring off and put it over my mother's hand when she was born, over her hand. And so he's just a giant of a man. And usually on average, I think they said he weighed about 280, 290 pounds and, uh, big, big, stout, wide shoulders. His name is Semi Vaughn. Many of you, uh, may have, well, not many of you, but, uh, if you know people from Tulia, they'll know who he is, but he was a quiet, caring, humble, uh Man, he carried a Bible on the dash of his pickup. His pickup was like every farmer's pickup. You had to dig through it to find anything except for the Bible. The Bible sat on the dash of his pickup, and when we were waiting for water, the irrigation to get out, many times he would just sit there and read his Bible. He wouldn't preach to me. He wouldn't say things to me about Jesus just a whole lot. He would just simply uh, read his Bible because he didn't have much to say. So he kept his Bible, and that's what he read, and that's what he studied. But, you know, I never heard him speak bad or poorly about anyone. He never did. He had a just this quiet, humbleness, humility about himself, knowing that if anyone needed improvement, it would be himself. And so he didn't have time to really speak about others. Now, there are a lot of great things and a lot of things that make great men, great leaders, great people. We could say words like this, men, consistent, patient, kind, teacher, influencer, stable, motivated, dedicated. All those things, all those words talk about men of faith. But at the top or possibly the top of God's list would be a great man is a faithful man. I just think that's what God is looking for. He's looking for men of great faith. And there's no doubt that faithfulness should be at the top or near the top of our list if it's at the top of God's list. And so the world needs men of faith. They need, this world needs faithful men. I'm going to be in Numbers chapter 12. If you want to open your Bibles there, we're going to spend some time here. I'm not going to just rush through this or fly through this. Uh, I was at a leadership conference this past week. Miles brought up some of these points. Miles Sweeney and I wrote some of these points down, but uh um I, I as I put this message together, I really went in and said, Lord, show me someone who exhibits these characteristics, these traits. Someone who your favor rested upon. And you're going to see in Numbers, we're talking about Numbers chapter 12, we're talking about a man by the name of Moses. And you'll be familiar with Moses. Miriam and Aaron began to talk about Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Now, uh, a Cushite, what is that? Anybody know? Well, it's really uh, probably an Ethiopian, and and uh, there's a couple of reasons for this. Of course, Moses was, uh, we know that he was married to Zipporah. We know at one time he became angry. He sent her away, and then she comes back. We don't really know how all of this necessarily unfolds. We don't even know if maybe this is that she was possibly a Cushite. He had two wives, and so we really don't know. But whatever, for whatever reason, he has a brother and a sister who decides, you know what? I don't like her. I don't like my sister-in-law. I don't know why Moses shows favor. I don't know what all this, and that's kind of what's unpacking here. So they're talking about it. Verse 2, and then they ask this question. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? I mean, they're always in Moses' presence. So they ask this question. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now, I don't know if your Bible has this, but in parentheses here, it says this. Now Moses was a very humble man. He's more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And then verse 4 at once the Lord said to Moses Aaron and to Moses Aaron and Miriam come out of the tent of meeting all three of you. So the three of them went out of the tent or the three of them went out when the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud he stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. So here's the Lord the Lord he hears the conversation. And he summons them. They all three come out of the tent. Then he has Miriam and Aaron step forward. He's about to address them. And when the two of them step forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. Notice what he said. Look, I don't even have to reveal through dreams. This man's so faithful, he knows exactly what I want him to do. With him, I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. And when the cloud lifted from above the, the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow and Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin that we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days and the people did not move on till she was brought back. Of course, they're on their journey to the promised land. Now, did you see this? I hope you saw a couple of things. One is that Moses is attributed by God two things. Those two things are humbleness and humility. The other one is faithfulness. Two things that bring upon God's favor. Two things that allow Moses to hear and hear and see God more than any other man on the earth. So we could just close it up and say, how do we become more humble and, and faithful in this life? Because that's what all of us want. That's what all of us want to uh, desire in our life, hopefully to hear God above any other noise, any other voice in our life. So let's look at a couple of things. The first thing I would say is that Moses had this. Moses knew what it meant to be faithful in relationship. He knew what it meant to be faithful in relationship with God. He knew what it meant to be faithful in relationship one with another. I don't see Moses going around talking about Miriam or talking about Aaron. Why did Aaron get uh, the voice? Why did Aaron get a greater stature than what I have? I mean, he's my brother. We have the same basically genetic makeup. Why, why all this stuff about Aaron? He doesn't talk about Aaron. He doesn't talk about Aaron's wife He or wives, however that is, if it's plural. He doesn't talk about Miriam. He even lets Miriam play a tambourine. I wouldn't let my sister in church. Just saying. But that's not Moses. See, our consistency in our relationship, first and foremost, men must be with our God. It's got to be a consistent relationship. Here's why. Because because God's relationship is always faithful and consistent with us. He always is there. He's always awaiting us. Never do we cry out to God and he's not there. When Jesus ascended into heaven, what did he say? He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We are never without unless we choose to be without. There's always a conversation waiting. It's whether or not we choose to participate in it. And this is who Moses was. He participated so closely in this relationship with his God that God said, I don't have to appear in dreams and visions and all this stuff. Here's why. This man is faithful to me. And I can always talk and he always has an ear to listen. Moses was a man who was humble. He was so humble, he rarely got pulled into parking lot meetings if ever got pulled into parking lot meetings. He didn't triangulate. He kept his thoughts. He kept his mind on his Lord. Now, uh, a couple of things I want to discuss just just briefly about triangulation because this tears up more churches probably than anything that ever happens. And basically what that is, is, is me and you get together to talk about him or her or leadership or why didn't they or why couldn't they? And, and I'm not saying a challenge is wrong. If something is ungodly, if something um, doesn't look right, if something checks your spirit and you're a person who has an ear to the Lord, but you don't have to go to somebody else. Go to that person. Go directly to them. Notice um, how, how they handled it with Moses. Even prior to Aaron crying out to God, who does Aaron cry out to? Moses. Moses, don't let this come upon us. Stop this. Because they knew his walk was so strong with his Lord. Aaron quit the triangulation. He didn't go and say, hey, Miriam, look, uh, that's pretty bad. Look at your skin. That stuff's falling off you like, man, no man's going to be interested in you. Don't put your swimsuit on. You know what I mean? This is a bad deal. Moses, you know, he didn't pay attention to that. He was more uh, concerned with hearing his God on behalf of his people. And we'll see that here in just a moment. He was faithful to God and Moses was faithful in his relationship. What we see here is we have a brother and a sister who talk about a brother. We hear God just as much as he does. We're in Moses' presence all the time. We're just as, as high on the totem pole, if you will, as Moses. And Moses didn't even know there was a totem pole. Moses was so humble, he was just looking to serve his God in the lifetime that he had. He kept his thoughts. He kept his mind. He kept his words on the Lord. Aaron and Miriam, they started talking, but they didn't see, but they hadn't seen the form of God in the way that Moses had seen him. The scripture, and we know this, you know, you can read, I don't, I don't remember exactly where this is. It's either Exodus 30 or Exodus 33, but you remember Moses said, look, I just want to see your face. And, and the Lord says, no one looks upon my face and lives, but I will put you in the cleft. Uh, of the cliff, the cleft of his hand, it was a cliff. And he said, I'll pass by and you'll be able to look upon my back. Some of you will remember that scripture. Moses, that's just what he yearned for. But here in this scripture, we see that, that Moses at least can see the form is what the scripture says of God. He could see a form of God because he was that close to his God. So they didn't have this responsibility. They didn't even have this ability. They had the responsibility, but they didn't have the ability to see God in the way that Moses had seen him. And they sure weren't keeping God's word. And they weren't interested in leading God's people. They were interested in going after the one who was leading God's people. It's all about stepping up instead of stepping forward with them. So for Moses this is simply not true. He's a servant. He's faithful in all my houses, what the Lord says. He is faithful in every room, every bedroom, every bathroom, every place. Moses is faithful to me. Moses was faithful in his relationship to the Lord, and he's faithful in his relationship to his family. Even when his family wasn't faithful to him, he was probably like, look, did y'all do this? Y'all been talking about me again? Come on, there's so many better subjects out there. But you're talking about me again. Now look what's happened to you, Miriam. Moses really didn't say that. But it's interesting when they cried out to Moses because Miriam had really paid the price. Notice what Moses does. This is how humble of a man he is. I don't know how many of us would do this. But in verse 3, so Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. He was compassionate about others. He was faithful in his relationship, even when relationships were not faithful to him. Boy, that's the measure of a faithful man. Here's why, because we're all broken. You're going to mess up somewhere in a relationship. Something's going to be said about you, or you're going to say something about someone. And here's the truth. The truth is, when we can forgive, when we can show grace and mercy, when, when it's just like we say around here a lot of times, When being, when being, uh, when you would rather have that relationship is greater to you than being right all the time. Now, I think the both can come together through relationship, but there's no doubt that Moses was compassionate, even though they were not compassionate about him. He was faithful in his relationship with his Lord and he was faithful in his relationship with others. So he cries out on her behalf. You know, when I look at this, I look at a couple of things. One is, what would be a defining or defining words about faithful men in Scripture? And one of the things that came to mind was Psalm 15.1. And you will be familiar with this Scripture. It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? And notice, he starts putting words to this. To the one who walk whose walk is blameless. So there's a faithful man, one whose walk, who is blameless. Who does who does what is righteous, that's a faithful man. Who speaks the truth from their heart, that's a faithful man. Whose tongue utters no slander, which is what happened here with Moses, that's a faithful heart. Who does no wrong to a neighbor, that's a faithful heart. Cast no slur on others. Who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord who keeps an oath even when it hurts and who does not change their mind. In other words, as Jesus has spoken, let their yes be yes and their no be no, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, who does these things will never be shaken. This is the man who can ascend to the Lord, dwell in his sacred tent. Remember, Moses had a sacred tent. And Miriam and Aaron were in that sacred tent, and he summoned is what the Scripture says. He summoned, God summoned them out of that sacred spot. Who can stay there? Who can ascend? Who may live on this holy mountain? There it is, man. It's just unpacked for us right there in Scripture. See, it's men who keep their words, who keep their promises, who keep their commitments. Proverbs 20, verse 6, a faithful man who can find is the question that Solomon asked. Faithfulness will be costly. There's no doubt sometimes when we're faithful and someone's unfaithful, it becomes very difficult for us. It costs us something. It costs us something known as pain. It can be hurtful, men. There is no doubt, but we've got to learn to rise above those things. We're committed. A faithful man will be committed. We're committed to other people's welfare. God is first, and, and because God is first, we hear his voice speak to us and tell us to go to, to, to the poor, to, to give to those who are in need. Sometimes it means we will wound one another. Remember Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I don't like that one. Faithful are the wounds of the friend. Sometimes your friend can see things that you can't. And sometimes speaking the truth causes a wound that we need to deal with, but it doesn't have to break that relationship. Look, if you are simply speaking agreeable to people instead of speaking truth to them, we have to ask ourselves, are we truly being a faithful friend? And finally, number two, faithful men will focus on the depth of character. There, there was a depth of character about Moses. We know this and we see this because Moses doesn't get angry. He doesn't call down fire. He doesn't say, go on. Hey, why did you, why why does uh Miriam, have leprosy. Why don't why don't you just put that leprosy on Aaron right now, too? I mean, uh, why did you start here and not start there? Or why not just smoke both of them? Moses didn't do that. He prayed for them. He had a depth of character. And I think, and I truly believe, faithful men will work on the depth of their character. That's why you are here, men. That's why those of you who are watching online are here with us this morning, because you want the depth of character. You want to go deeper. Several years ago, um, my... Uh, my parents went to Lake Tahoe and and there's a picture of them that is actually on on their tombstone where they both of them, it's this picture and they're standing on the coastline looking out at this coast. And um, I remember them telling me about Lake Tahoe. They had skied at Lake Tahoe. They had been there in the summer times. Any of you ever been to Lake Tahoe, Tahoe, Tahoe? Yeah, a couple of you. All right. It's my understanding. I've seen pictures. That's all I've seen. I've never been there. But there's 72 miles of shoreline. It's a crystal clear lake. And it's known by scientists to have one of the purest reflections of any lakes, not only in the United States, but in the world. And scientists believe it's because of the depth. And I didn't know this, but the depth of Lake Tahoe is over 1,600 feet deep. Did you know that? I had no idea i didn't know, and so scientists believe it's through this depth that the purification of the water happens because as it heats and as it cools and as it continues to transition over so much depth that it becomes more and more clear, and the reflection becomes more and more pure. See the depth of our character will determine will determine the breadth of our influence. it's a huge lake and and honestly. And most people have no idea how deep Lake Tahoe really is. They think it's simply a glacier lake that's sitting between a couple of mountains and it's just this, this beautiful water just runs off and, and drains off into Tahoe. But it's really what they're finding is the clarity of that water is because of the depth of it. You see, all I, all I primarily focused on, if all of us primarily focused on the depth of our character, It's amazing what God would possibly reveal to us through our reflection. That's depth. And faithful men will focus on the depth of our character. You see, I think too often times we're focused more on our gifting and our presentation. He said, I went over this message two or three times. Yesterday, I went over it again this morning because what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about my gifting and I'm thinking about the presentation. I'm rearranging, readjusting, trying to make things perfect for presentation when in reality, I believe what God calls us to is just to have a depth in him and he will speak through us. The people who know you best, if you're questioning the depth of your character, ask if the people who know me best respect me the most. That's a great test of, of the depth of our character because what the world needs most today is not men who are outwardly empowered, but men inwardly transformed. And that's not my quote. That comes from Arthur Wallace. You can read his quotes. You can read his book if you want. But what the world needs most today is not men who are outwardly empowered, but men inwardly transformed. Faithful men will always, will always be humble men. Malachi 3.3 we see where the people are called to be refined like silver. And we all know the story that uh, when the dross comes up, when you heat up silver, the dross comes up and, and they sit there and they look at the dross, the, these uh, silver, what do you call them? I didn't write it down. The guys who, who do this, silversmith. I knew it was silver something. So who who heat up the silver and all these impurities come to the top and they look at it and they keep clearing it off and they look at it again and they keep taking the dross off and they heat it up again and they just do this time and time and time again until all the impurities are surfaced. Well, how do they know when they're done? When they can see their reflection perfectly in the silver. It's just like the lake when the depth has brought everything up that needs to come to light and can be wiped away. When we humble ourselves and allow God to do this, he shows us what we need to work on, and eventually he wipes all the dross away. That's called sanctification. It's called moving on towards God and allowing him to work in us and through us to give us a depth of character that will take us to a new place of humility and humbleness. See, humbleness will always bring us back to a place, men, of self-reflection, of seeing ourselves for who we truly are and seeing God for who he truly is. That's a humble man. Numbers twelve seven. this is not the way I treat Moses because Moses is faithful in all my house. Men, that should be a goal for us. Father God, thank you once again for these men. Thank you for your word this morning as we go through these questions. Father, continue to grow us up and send us forth through the power of your spirit, amen.